Uh, we started a new series this week. I feel like I'm hearing something. Somebody is getting a phone call. Just something about Jesus saying you should get white sneakers. So, um, but we started a new conversation this week. Started this morning. I'm going to do it this week and next. And I've titled it The Good Book um, in response to quite a few discussions that have happened in small groups or grow groups, questions being forwarded to us and conversations we've had around, you know, do you read the Bible literally and why are there so many, and this is the one I want to tackle tonight, why are there so many different points of view uh, on the Bible? And I feel like that's a topic that's worth having a conversation around, right? So I've titled tonight's message, Getting the Story Straight. How many of you know the verse in the Bible that goes like this? Man shall not live by bread alone. There you go. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. For some of you, you just got stuck on like bread. Like you were like bread. I want to talk about that for a bit. But actually, I do, I would, I do want to set up my discussion with you tonight. And my plan is to be finished by seven so we can have a time of prayer and conversation and actually like break bread over coffee afterwards. But I, I want to talk to you about uh, tonight's conversation in the context of food. Let's just talk about food for a bit. Any of you hungry? Anybody? Anybody hungry? That pizza looked good, eh? That pizza looked good, but I think it's sold out, eh? Is there still some? Thanks, Cam. That's very important information you just shared with us. It was going to affect the mood of the rest of the service. Um, but I, I, I want to talk to you about food. Um, I Every now and then, I, I um, do uh, give myself permission to, to get a takeaway. Um, and some sort of a Mr. Delivery or an Uber Eats. I don't know what your favorite place is to get it from. I have a favorite. And I buy the same thing from the same place. Somebody from Mr. Delivery for taking a photo now. I um, have a favorite. I always enjoy um, burgers from, from? <laughs> Burger King. But the order is always wrong. I'm just going to put it out there. The word is always wrong. I now buy a triple so I can get one patty. Like, I don't know what is going on with their orders. I do feel like a, something crunchy, chickeny, deep fried, something. I need to try that chicken licking on the beach front, but the queues are so long that I, I don't know. But I, I do like that. But recently, I had somebody come over, a couple of friends, a little farewell meal. Uh, one or two mates leaving town, and I said to them, okay, let's get onto my app, and then you order uh, for all of us whatever you prefer. It's, this is your night, you pick the meal. And they ordered Mexican. And I, I just, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings about Mexican. Like, I think that's it's good stuff. And I mean, look at me, I could. No? Not too Arab. Um... I am going somewhere. This is going to be so powerful when we get there. And you're going to be so hungry as well. And you're like, get there as soon as possible. Um, it's not my preferred choice, but here's a friend. And they're in my company. And it's, about, it's their night. And they have ordered Mexican. And they're like, Mexican for me as a Greek Mediterranean. It's like, like why would you put like your main, like main course stuff on chips? Like on... We just would find that like, you know, tortilla... Not, it just sounds like a bit uh, confusing, but it was so nice. Guys, nachos is like so 
good. It's like a whole three-course meal on a little triangle. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it right now. Okay, so with that in mind, I want to dismantle the idea that Christianity out there is so divided that it's so confusing to know what to believe from the Bible that I'm just not going to think about it and I'm not even going to worry about it. That, I don't think that's true. Uh, what the devil has done and what society and atheists and antagonists have done is suggested that just because there are different preferences within the context of Scripture, that it's all very divided. That would be the same as me saying food is divided. And that's why we have different kinds of restaurants. That's because food is fighting each other. And, you know, burger food fights Mexican food, which fights chicken food. That would be very silly. Actually, Christianity is not as divided as people would like us to pretend that it is. It's just a, a trick to make us all feel like the faith is not like the Muslim faith where everybody just agrees and they do it a certain way and the Catholic faith, they do it a certain way and uh, um, uh, the Orthodox way that, that especially charismatic or Pentecostal Christians are very divided and they're not sure who they agree with. Let me tell you, it's not true. Don't fall for that lie. There are uh, 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 flavors in the faith. And the reason why it's so important that you have a big enough circle of Christian company is that you can't live by burgers alone. Every now and then, somebody's got to find you some nachos in the Bible and get it to you. You can't live. It's a really fundamental principle. You'll think about this later in life. See, I might not be, you know, I might not, you know, I, <laughs> be careful how I say this. So I'm watching this church service the other day online it's called Healing is, is Here, Healing Has Come. That service was four hours long, saints, four hours. Eh? And the pastor's prophesying and the pastor's praying and the people are crying and the pastor is crying and the people are kneeling and the pastor is kneeling. The other people are crying and the other people are kneeling. And I'm like, it's a long meal. Like this is like, Pasta plus kind of meal. And I wouldn't do that every day. And I wouldn't watch four hours of it every day. But that night when I prayed and I thanked the Lord for my day, I thought about that person who was prayed for in that church service online. And I thought, how good is it that somebody hungry came to Jesus and what their soul needed, heaven had food for. And I got a little emotion. I'm like, stop it. Be a man. And... Just thank the Lord without a quiver in your voice. Grow up and go to bed. If I'll admit there was like a little tremor in my voice. I was like, thank you, Lord. It was so good. And I'm kneeling. Like, oh, why am I kneeling? There's no one here. Just stand up, go to bed. You know, the, where the problem comes in, where division comes in, is actually when we think that what feeds us and fills us um, is all we need and all somebody else needs. And that's not true. So I want to talk to you a little about how to, how to get the most out of the Bible without making it complicated and without making it weird. So Romans chapter 10, NIV, verse 8, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. 
that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there is a little equation there that that, that Bible verse talks about, and that is things you believe and things you confess or say. So the heart is involved and the mouth Words are involved. I wanted to position that for you because I think that's very, very important. And then a second scripture to help us get a platform for this. And then I'm going to share with you four uh, uh, tests for uh, uh, authenticity in what you're getting out of the Bible. And it, it, won't, it won't be long, I promise. Second Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 2 says, Paul's writing, so the author is writing to members in his church and he's saying, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. I guess a very poetic thing to say, so let me unpack what it's saying. What Paul is saying is that, you know what's written on my heart? Two things, things God gave me and wrote on my heart and things you've said that have left an impression on my heart and God has written something in my heart because of my keeping company with you. Do you see how important what we hear and and believe and confess and the company we keep. It all shapes our understanding of, of the Bible. This morning, I talked about how important, and, and you can always catch up on this stuff on, on podcasts or, or YouTube clips. Uh, I, I read a verse this morning that says, um, no, nobody can interpret the Bible privately for personal interpretation. So you, you, it, you should find that scripture. It's really cool. It's in Peter. And it says, if you find something in scripture, then usually other people will see it also. It won't like, you understand what I mean? It won't just be you. It'll be a collection of agreement. And there's something really, really powerful about that. So I wanted to share with you that the best way to get the most out of the Bible is to apply four little tests, four little steps, if you will. It's going to be like really cheesy and get a chair here and like the chair needs four legs and you sort of saw one off and show you what it looks like if you only have three and it's a bit of a disaster. And like guys aren't keen on that. It's just like cutting each off, invite you to sit on it and that's why your faith is stumbling. Um, but anyway, um, operations said no, so that I, I was keen, but they were like, no, we need the chairs. So, but I, I do want you to imagine it being a sure-footed way of, of getting the most out of the Bible and making sure that you, you're not um, led astray by weird doctrines or weird philosophies of man. That happens um, just because maybe one of the four tests or, or, or more than one test is absent. So, should we go for it? Just four little, four little pillars that'll help us get the most out of the Bible and fulfill the idea of getting the story straight from Scripture. I used an example this morning, if you weren't here, um, that, you know, if you don't do tests like that, then you can pick a verse in the Bible and because you only re read it by itself and you don't do any of the context and the tests, you could really mess it up. And, and, and the one I used this morning really had people quite shocked that it was in the Bible. You know, there's a verse in the Bible in Ecclesiastes that says, let us eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we may all die. Did you, did you know that's in the Bible? But, and, and no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't 
do it tonight. Like the one Bible verse you're going to put into practice is that one. Um, because that is in a chapter and in a book where the writer Solomon was testing what people say is the meaning of life. And he got to this part where he was testing the party life and he did it for a full year and he got to the end of his year and he said, you know what, this is meaningless. It's pointless. It's chasing the wind. In fact, it's a well-known phrase. It's nothing like but chasing the wind. Vanity of vanities, it's, it's chasing the wind. That comes from Ecclesiastes. And when he did 11 chapters of trying to find the meaning of life, he gets to the last chapter and he says, I've now tested everything that man could give his heart to. And this is my conclusion, that the true meaning of life is to fear God and honor him. So if you only read like midway, you're like, this is my man. Eating, drinking. He did a party for 365 days because he wanted no one to say, oh, but you didn't party in winter. Like he wanted to party all four seasons, he was so rich that he would have a glass of wine from a golden goblet and never wash it or use it again. Throw it away, get another golden goblet. Whatever your, <laughs> whatever your flex is on like gold chains and stuff, you don't know Solomon. <laughs> like you don't, so whatever, what Solomon had, you're still picking up what he left over. Like, you have no idea. And then he did the whole, like, maybe marriage is the way to go. He had 300 wives and 700 concubines, which is very complicated. Don't research it. He took so many, didn't leave any for the rest of us. And he tried everything. But you know what's interesting is that so people might find that. But then there are other things people think, that, that must be in the Bible. That sounds right. But it isn't in the Bible, you know. There are lots of statements like that I hear people saying. One of my favorites is God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. Your mama said that, but Jesus <laughs> did not say that. <laughs> Jesus did not say that, you know. Another favorite is follow your heart. Where is your heart going? Where, where are you going? Don't follow your heart. In fact, the Bible says the heart is wicked and deceitful among all men. Like, it couldn't be more opposite. The heart wants. Sis. I asked you if you knew the verse, man shall not live by bread alone, and you mumbled afterwards. I say something as ungodly as the heart wants, and you finish it like you are trained. You know, I feel job security now. You guys are going to need pastors for many years still. I thought, I thought YouTube was going to become your pastor. It's not going to work. You're going to need us. And there are so many of those statements that um, people just assumed over time that it like became, like it's become, um, it's become um, so entrenched in our culture that we think it's got to come from God. And it really doesn't. So I think there's a, there are a couple of tests we could do that I think will be incredibly helpful. And then you won't make these mistakes of picking the wrong verse to have tattooed on your body because, because it's, not even, <laughs> it's not even in the Bible. Imagine if you did like, let us eat, drink, and be merry, and you'd be like, that's not right. So first of all, the Bible is recorded for a reason. So I think the first valuable test is the recorded word. I know this sounds silly, but I really want to encourage you to consider this. If you think something is from the Bible, please go look 
and see if it's actually in the Bible. And here's how you do it. If you're old school, you go to Google and you just do a search. You say, the heart wants what the heart wants. Is that in the Bible? And it'll spit out, nope. If you're new school, you go to ChatGTP and you say, what common phrases do people think are in the Bible that are not? And the third one on my answer was, the heart wants <laughs> what the heart wants. I promise you. And I mistakenly, this is how bad my typing was, I mistakenly said, I used to say, heart chat, please search this or that. But I misspelled, so it landed up being heart chad. And then chat was upset, eh? Second reply was like, uh, I am a artificial intelligence and I do not have a personality or a name or an emotion. I'm like, honey, you're already upset. You have a personality. You are upset from one. I feel like I'm in an awkward relationship with you now and I just got shouted at for calling you the wrong name. So you actually have to go look. I do think that's important because if you can find it, then read two verses before and two verses afterwards. The next verse after, let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we will die, the next verse says, but even that is vanity, chasing the wind. It amounts to If you just like read like one verse before and one, the recorded word is very, very important. Before we decide if the preacher is any good and if the church is divided and whatever, just read it for yourself. I really want to encourage you to do that. Get an app, make it, read it to you, find it and, and have a look. Sometimes it takes no more than a few seconds to read uh, something. And even some of the statements that people make about women in the Bible and some of the statements people make about salvation in the Bible, I promise you, if you've got a standard three, what is that now? Grade six. It's grade five. I always make this joke that when I went to school, they were called standards because we had them. We had standards. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's very rude. You've got 50 grades of, you know, shades of gray. We've got standards. And so the word recorded, you can't, I think you can't dilute the value of that. Uh, you, you know, um, when, Jesus, when Jesus was tempted, what did the devil say? It is written. And so he used a piece of the Bible to trick, try to trick Jesus. And Jesus said, read it properly. What's written is this. What's written is that. Let me tell you what will change your life. Read it properly. The devil says to Jesus, doesn't the word say that if you throw yourself over this, off this cliff, that the God will command angels to rescue? That's somewhere in the Bible. And Jesus said, you know what is also written? You don't test the Lord your God. You don't do that. You're going to catch me. I think sometimes we get caught because the devil gives a half a verse and it sounds, oh, could come from the Bible. And you're tricked. So you've got to, you've got to, um, you've got to look at the recorded word. The second one is, is the word read. 
Here's what I mean by that. One of the most powerful things uh, about, um, about the Bible is, is not only you looking for it and reading it for yourself, but having somebody else read it out loud in a preach, a song, a Bible study somewhere. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when somebody reads word out to you, something happens in your heart. Now, let me tell you why that is. <clears throat> it's the same as, I mean, the best example I could give you is, is, and speaking as a white guy, okay, and what I'm about to say is going to make sense. I can't read rap. Just, I got no rhythm for it. You're not surprised, Danny? Did you say that out loud? Jesus heard you, eh? Um, <clears throat> I just don't have the rhythm for it. The, the next word surprises me. It doesn't seem complete. I want to correct it all the time. But then when some people get up and they rap rap instead of get me to read rap, the rhythm of it, the punctuation of it, the emphasis of it, oh, that is powerful that is. I mean, how many young and free songs did we not all wait for until it had that little breakaway moment? I know, you're acting like you never did that. You did it. You did it pre-pandemic. You're ashamed now, but you did it. That season may have ended. I, I might not be very good at that. I'll tell you how powerful it was the first time I heard old school poetry read out loud, like Shakespeare. It's like, this is solid. But when I read it on my own, I stumbled over the words and placed the emphasis in the wrong place. Let me tell you something very powerful about interpreting scripture well. Have somebody read it out in a sermon or a song done well, and the word will come alive to you. See, uh, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Spoken. Very powerful. And I think that's something we neglect. Uh, if you're never in the sound of the word of God, uh, you will lose something of the interpretation of scripture, right? I'll give you an example, um, just a quick example. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can read that with anger or you can read that with compassion. You can e I could either stand up here and be super charismatic and go, for all of you have sinned and be judgmental. Or I can say, God's heart is broken because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The one is in an emotion of anger and the other is in an emotion of compassion. And when you hear it in that emotion, the same physical words, faith arises in you. So the word must be read out loud. There's something very powerful. And by the way, if you ever want to be encouraged in your own faith, read the Bible out loud to yourself and watch what happens in your heart. We don't do a lot of reading, but we also don't do a lot of reading out loud. And I think that's one of the most powerful um, things about Scripture. The third thing is the word reinforced. So we, the, the third leg is, so, so I've read it for myself, I've heard it out loud, and... I have reinforced it through agreement. In other words, other people see what I see in it. It is reinforced through agreement. 
You know, there is something really powerful about uh, walking in agreement or in fellowship with one. You know that term, fellowship? It, it, it's not, it's got biblical strength. It means we agree in what direction we're going and therefore we have fellowship. And when somebody looks at a verse and you look at a verse and you have a conversation about a verse and you share it with a spouse or a best friend or a small group or you come to church and the preacher happens to bring it up or it comes up on a radio podcast thing you're listening to, it gets reinforced. And now you start to say, I'm hearing the voice of God. Can you say amen to that? But all you've got to do is make yourself available. Put yourself in a listening frame of mind, a singing frame of mind, a sharing frame of mind. Marry somebody you wouldn't mind sharing a Bible verse with and seeing if they see what you see instead of somebody you've got to not tell them you're reading the Bible because they might get upset. You see what I mean? Because then you can have the reinforcement of the word. I've even got amens from the other side. Hallelujah. There you go. Uh, reinforcement is one of those powerful things about Scripture. This is what I want to encourage you. you. You may remember the story of Mary. There is a verse in the Bible that says that every time Mary heard something about her son Jesus, the Bible says she, heard, she um, hid those truths in her heart. She made a note. She was like, huh. That's interesting. Look what so-and-so says, and look what that one says, and look what this one does, and look how when he walks past a fig tree that's got no fruit, it dies, and look how when he touches something, it heals. And she wrote all that in her heart as reinforcement to the word that the angel gave her when she was pregnant, that you will bring the Savior of the world, and his name shall be Jesus. And the rest of her life, she reinforced that word, so that on that day when Jesus was crucified, dead and buried. His mother was still there waiting and believing that the truth that Jesus is Lord is still written in her heart and it couldn't be taken away. You have to have reinforcements. Can you say amen? It's so important. <clears throat> amen to the front row. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. I think one of the most, um, one of the most dangerous things is the opposite of reinforcement, which is to dilute so if, if having people who see and hear what you see and hear and can get it with you and can stand in agreement with you reinforces it, then having people in your life who dilute it, who say, oh, that's rubbish. Are you still reading that old stuff? If you have people in your life who dilute it, it becomes really difficult to find the power and impact of, of the Bible uh, in your life. And then the last point I want to make, we get to seven o'clock, is the word redeemed. That's a pretty big word. So um, let me clarify what I mean. Um, if the Bible says, this is how we should pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, etc. It's in scripture and it is reinforced through preaching. A preacher gets up and says, do you know what a good way of starting to pray is? Just pray, our Father, which art in heaven, here it is, hallowed be your name. So, so far, you've read it in the Bible, you've heard it read out loud, you've seen reinforcement for it. The final thing is redeeming it. You have to cash it in. In other words, you actually have to do it. And then it becomes your truth. There's a big difference between that truth and your truth. Have you noticed that? And do you know what's wrong with the world today? I think is that people think your truth is more important than that truth. Now that's not, not good. I nearly said that's nonsense. <laughs> but you, 
because that's very rude. Like it's, it's church and I shouldn't use the word nonsense, but uh, your truth can't be more important than the truth because your truth is the accumulation of your personal experience. And that is still growing. That truth is greater than your truth. But in order for that truth to become your truth, you have to put it into practice. And I find it fascinating that what Christians want to put into practice first is like walk on water. Like the radical stuff. You know, find me a you know, dead thing. I want to pray over it and see if I got that, that resurrection gift. Why don't you just like our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like why don't we just like go on the simplicity of the basics of the faith and let God build you up. You've got to cash it in. To redeem something means you have credit and you redeem it. You cash it in, you put it into practice and you own it. So redeem something means to own it. And it goes from that truth to your truth. And when you can get that right, the Bible is real and the Bible is like no other book in all the world and you won't have interpretation problems and so one of my favorite things, I will wrap up now because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm over time. But one of my favorite things when people say, you know, uh, the church is so divided. And I'll say, about what? And they'll say, like, like some of you, like, some of you, you know, like, some of you believe, like, it's going to be the end of the world any day now. And then, like, others of you don't believe that. And some of you believe if you're once saved, you're always saved. And then some of you don't believe that. And, so my, you know, whenever that happens, I always ask people one question. Okay, so which one do you believe? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get all up in my face. I'm not talking about me. When, don't turn this on me. But I mean, you can't be like shooting arrows at all of us on that truth and you're not willing to come to the table with what your truth is. Like, let's hear it. It's because you don't know. So I'm telling you, if you picked either one of those, you'd still be better off than not knowing anything. Rather think it's going to end tomorrow versus not think at all. Because then at least you put something into practice. Can, do you see what I mean? These things people say we are divided about, we are not as divided as they would like you to believe. These things that people say the church is fragmented, we are not as fragmented as they would like you to believe. The truth is that on almost every fundamental, the body of Jesus Christ stands united. Jesus is Lord, is our banner. It's not as bad as people make it out. And I want to just encourage you to be mindful of that. Uh, Acts chapter 17 just reminds us that we've got to do our own work on this, that we've got to do a little bit of our own effort. These were uh, more fair-minded. The Bible talks about some fair-minded Greeks, but I'll just put it out there. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, different kinds of Greeks, in that they received the word with readiness, but here's what they did. They searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. There was a type of person in the Bible that heard it and rejected, and there was a type of person in the Bible that heard it and said, just before I sign my name. I'm just going to do my own homework. And it's not popular anymore to, do your, to walk your own walk. We just want to observe other people's walk and then make conclusions. But I'm telling you, you've got to walk your own walk until that truth becomes your truth and it becomes your truth. Nobody can steal that truth from you. Because the Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will, yeah, it's almost as loud as the heart wants. 
You guys better come back next week because you're not loud enough on the... Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. I feel like leaning into that space and pray for a moment on that truth versus your truth. And really just ask God to help us translate from the one to the other. There's a crew of people up front available to pray for you. If you felt like God was touching your heart and mind on anything, any topic, it doesn't have to be what we talked about tonight, um, but it can be, or it can be on anything that's on your mind and you would like somebody to stand in prayer with you. Uh, come on to the front afterwards or go to communion and take a moment to pause and serve communion to yourself or your spouse or your friends. Uh, and make the most of your church time while you're here. All the socializing and the coffee and stuff happens in the next building, so this space kind of stays fairly holy and um, calm. <laughs> and um, I encourage you to make the most of that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word has stood the test of time, that it is meant for every believer uh, to find their path. And tonight, Lord, we especially pray pray that the, the truth that sets us free will become our truth and that the bridge between the truth and our truth will be that we, we, we read it for ourselves, we hear it read out loud, we wait for reinforcement through confirmation and we redeem it by putting it into practice and when we form that little circuit and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, that, that the truth will become our truth and we will be solid. We'll be solid in all the areas of our lives. And we'll be able to, with confidence, um, explain why the Bible means so much um, to the world but to us personally. Tonight, Lord, will you please help us form a healthy relationship with the good book, that one and only above every other, the Bible. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, will you give God on a shout of praise and thanksgiving and...